Okay, this is so good right now. <laughs> Your revelation? Yes. Welcome back to the Abundant Life. This is part two of number seven. Part two. <laughs> part two of number seven out of the 21 supernatural ways the Lord can provide, backed by over 200 scriptures and more. And more. We don't ever leave it at that. We're not limiting it to that. <laughs> but we do want to finish talking about the tithe. There's so much rich information there that you can glean from, learn from. And we just encourage you to go back to the previous episode, get that in you, and then continue to watch this one and tie it all together and really get a revelation of what this is because this is what is going to open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing so big, you not have enough room to receive it. I got the room. Come on. Amen. <laughs> like where God says, the one time in scripture where he says, test me. So let's talk about a few things that sometimes people will ask me. It was like, well, do I got a tithe? I mean, that's part of the law, you know, and a lot of these different questions will come up. So I want to address them because statistically only about 10% of Christians tithe. And every single time I say that, I almost can't believe it. <laughs> that means 90% of people are missing out on this. Right. So once again, that's why we're sharing it with you. You got to hear it. You know, if you, if you don't hear about tithing in church, how are you supposed to know to do it? If you don't hear, you know, from other people that are encouraging you, then how do you know about it? How do you, what about it? And then some people will say, well, that was under the law. We're no under the law. We're not under the Ten Commandments. We're under grace. So why do we have to do that? So I want to cover that. I want to I go back and go through that. Yeah. Will you read uh, Leviticus there, 27 and 30? Leviticus 27, mm -hmm. 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Okay, so this is obviously Levitical priest time. And not only did the Levitical priests, did they teach on the holding the Ten Commandments or upkeeping the Ten Commandments, but there was a whole other, I think, 400 and something other laws that were put in pre, into, into place right. by the Levitical priest. Mm -hmm. So this is telling, this is one of them saying right there, that one-tenth, this is one-tenth we already talked about, that's the tithe, belongs to the Lord. So you say, okay, but yeah, that's Levitical priest, that's part of the Old law, Testament, but right? okay, say, well, let me back up before they gave the law. So let's go backwards. <laughs> 400 miles backwards. 450 years. <laughs> okay, 450 years. Before the law was given. At Mount Sinai, which when it was given through Moses right. to the Israelites right. on Mount Sinai, before that happened, right. Abraham tithed. <laughs> and that's when you say that one's like, see, I gotcha. It was before, it was before the law. Abraham did it. <laughs> so let's how just, did he do it? Let's just take a look. Okay. Let's just take a look. So go ahead and read Genesis 14 there for us, starting verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So there's a couple things going on here. Number one is king of righteousness, mm -hmm. which is obviously the king of peace. Right. Okay. And then the other one here is that they had communion said bread and wine. So they actually had communion together. So this was a shadow of Jesus Christ, Melchizedek, because they said there's no lineage in there. You can't trace back his parents. You can't trace back his hair. You can't trace any of that. Right. You know, and they're comparing him to the king of righteousness, king of peace is Jesus. Right. So it's the same thing. And that they had 
communion. This is a you know representation of the communion table of having the bread and the wine. Right. It also reminds me of just that again that relationship, communion. You know, is just mm-hmm. bringing. Um, bringing you together as one. So the thing I want to point out here is that the Levitical priesthood is based on blessings and curse. So the thing that you have to realize is that when they were under the law, if they did good, they were blessed. If they didn't, if they broke the law, then they were cursed. But thank God, we've already talked about this in one of our teachings when we talked about the promises of Abraham, is that we have been redeemed. According to Galatians 3.13, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law because Christ has become a curse for us. So we've been redeemed from all those curses. And the good news is is that you're not subject to that. So sometimes when you know those things, when they try to show up in your life, you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I've been delivered from this. But the point I want to make about this is in verse 19, it says, and he blessed him. So the first thing that came out of Melchizedek's mouth, the first thing that wants to come out of Jesus' mouth is to you is, you're blessed. So he good. wants blessing. He doesn't want any curse. Because why would Jesus want you to have any curse when he's redeemed you from it all? Right. So, it's like a double so standard. So God doesn't want you to be underneath any of the curse. So sometimes when people say, well, maybe God put this sickness and disease on somebody to try to teach them. <laughs> no, he's redeemed you. He took by his stripes, you were healed. Right. So why would he put sickness and disease to teach you the lessons when he took it away from you? Right. You know, I mean, come on. That's like an erroneous teaching. And 2 Corinthians 8 to 9 says that although he was rich, referring to Jesus, that he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. So if he's delivered you from poverty, then why would you want to be in it? He's delivered as part of your salvation package to be rich, to have that. So why wouldn't you just take it? Why would you just say... Well, I don't know. It's just, you know, maybe he's just trying to teach me something. He's trying to just keep me humble. That's false humility. (laughs) Again, we talked talked about about that. So go ahead and read, uh, continue on in verse 21 there in Genesis 14. Genesis 14, 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. So what's so great about this is that Abraham is basically saying, I am not gonna let you say that you made me rich. He wants to give all the credit to God. Because that's why he brought in the first place the tithe of all the victory that he just had of all the spoils. Because he said, God gave me the victory, and therefore I'm gonna bring these tithes to them. And so what the king was trying to say right. is, you know, I'll give you all these other things. I'll do all this other stuff. And, and, and Abraham's like, uh-uh. He's like, no way, dude. <laughs> you ain't getting the credit for what God just did for me. <laughs> Think about that. That's another Selah moment. It's really easy to allow other people and just like, you know, at what point do men give to your bosom? Or do you think that you know, you're depending on someone else to provide for you. But you also, when you know God has provided for you something, giving him the credit. Amen. Making sure that you're honoring that relationship because it doesn't just stop there. It continues on. Again, he will continue to promote to places of great expectation. Amen. So you might be saying, well, that's still Old Covenant. (laughs) That's still (laughs) the Old Testament. (laughs) You know, that ain't the New Testament. So Psalms 110 says this which is talking about Jesus and says, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And then in Hebrews 4.14, it says that Jesus is our great high priest. So once again, there's that comparison of the high priest. Mm -hmm. So Jesus today is our great high priest. Amen. So just like Melchizedek was back then, shadow of what is today for us and Jesus being our great high priest. Under the new covenant. So you go ahead and read uh, 
Hebrews 8, 1 through 3 for us? Yes. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Ooh, that's so good. I just cut I just got something out of that. What'd you get? That he's appointed our high priest is appointed. He's been appointed mm -hmm. to offer gifts and sacrifices. So I think we all understand his sacrifice, but do you understand his gifts? He's been appointed. Ooh. It's just like in the court. Yeah. Where somebody has been given the appointment or the ability or the permission right. to be able to give that gifts. After the cross, Jesus becomes your great high priest and he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. And that right hand is a place of authority. Right. And we have been made joint heirs with Christ seated right there with him. Right. So all that power, all that authority, everything's been given has been given to us. And that's why we've been given the authority to use the name of Jesus Amen. as well too. Mm -hmm. So like you were saying earlier, we're no longer a servant, we're a son. Right. And everything that and Jesus has is what we have as well too. Right. So just like when Melchizedek blessed Abraham the same way as Jesus, as your high priest seated at the right hand, he's only offering that blessing. He just wants to bless you. He just wants to take care of you. He just wants to supernaturally provide for you. But the way that you get involved with allowing him to move supernaturally in your life is by giving him that tithe. So I, I would say this, don't look at tithing as a debt you owe, but as a seed you sow. Because that's how sometimes you can look at it as almost, I'm just gonna scratch out another check and put it in the bucket. You know, it's almost like paying a bill. Right. You know, you can get legalistic about it like that. And that's not the way it is. Right. You know, it's gotta be from a heart of love. And the thing that what I love that Melchizedek and Abraham did, it's like you said, they had communion. Right. They had communion. So that's one reason why when we do our tithe, we take communion. Yes. And you know, giving of your money, giving of your tithes is an expression of your worship. So that's why I'm saying if somebody says, I love God with all my heart and I do anything from God and <laughs> I serve the church and I do all this and yeah, I do all that. And I said, do you tithe? No. It's like, <laughs> Okay, I got to question that. Right. You know, I got to question that real that heart of worship that you're saying that you're expressing. So, you know, we used to write checks and tithe. Now you do everything almost everything digitally. Digital. So what we would do is we'd cut that check, we'd put Malachi three ten, we'd sit it down, we'd lay hands on it, we'd pray over it, we'd take communion over it because that's what Abraham and Melchizedek did. So if we're bringing our gift to our great high priest Jesus as a form of worship, as a form of love, then Let's take communion too, because when you're taking that communion, it's saying that you're remembering what yes. he did. You're remembering, you're, you're discerning correctly of that body that was broken for you. That became poor so that you, through his poverty and that sacrifice, would become rich, which he's appointed to offer you both gifts and sacrifices. Amen. Amen. Before we really started doing that, sometimes it was just like, cut the check and throw it in the bucket. <laughs> you know, there it's was like no you, you, you miss, you miss out. Yeah. But not only in that, if trouble tries to come after your, uh, your faith and it tries to detour your faith, because sometimes it will pop up, you have tithers rights. Amen. And that, that's a great point. It just made me think of a, <laughs> when he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Okay. So, you know, we're really kind of putting this all around finances. Okay, so we're thinking about, okay, he's going to rebuke the, the devourer from the air of your finances, but don't limit it to that. The one testimony I want to share, um, and I forget the gentleman who shared this testimony, um, and I'll try to make it kind of short and sweet. This is what happens. 
this guy's daughter drowns in the swimming pool. Pull her out. The other kids are saying, we think she's something's not wrong. Pull out. She's, she's gone. You know, call 911, takes 911, like five minutes to get there. When they come, they start to work on her. They work on her five minutes. And when the paramedics, he looks up at the father and he shakes his head like, no. So this is 10 minutes has gone that she supposedly has no breath. So the only thing that the father could think of was that time is that he said, no, I have tithers rights. And today, Satan, my father will rebuke you from taking my daughter. And she jumped up right then off of the ground. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> We're so both good. <laughs> and the great thing was that, you know, they had to take her in to be evaluated at the hospital. And one of the doctors was like, where's the girl that died? And he was like, oh, she's right here. He's like, no, no. He's like, and they couldn't find anything wrong with her. You know, nothing was wrong. And the paramedic was sharing with somebody who was saying, I'd never seen anything like this in my life. This guy let out this blood curdling scream. <laughs> and that's the only thing he'd think of is that he had Tyler's right for yes. God to rebuke him right then. Yes. Boom. The blood of Jesus, Tyler's <laughs> rights had happened to me one night. There was a, um, there was, there was an entity in my room and, um, you know, before I would, you know, just scream as oppressed. And sometimes you don't know what to do when you're, when you can physically feel and sense a presence in your room that is not normal. It's not a normal thing. You're talking about spiritual presence, yeah, right? Spiritual like demonic. Presence. It was demonic. It okay. was oppressive. And I just shouted. I just remember that story. And I just remembered my rights and shouted Tyler's rights. And it went. I mean, just like that was gone. And I was shocked because, you know, you hear it and then you hear a testimony like this, which is so powerful. You take this testimony, you start using it, and you start applying these things by faith. And things really start to happen. Amen. Amen. So the one thing that I want to share with you is that don't wait until you get your back up the, against the wall in the area of your finances or when something like this happens to one of your family members or something like that. Start tithing today. Start doing it now. Start going through and meditating on all these scriptures that we just shared about. Start experiencing God open up the floodgates. Start experiencing Him rebuking the devourer for your namesake so that when something does come up, you're prepared. Right. My, my point is, my encouragement is, Start doing it. Start start getting a revelation, like I said. And until if you still feel like, yeah, I just I got this, whatever, don't do it. Until you really start to get a revelation of how much God loves you, how much He wants to bless you, how much He wants to just get involved, not only just in your finances, but every aspect of your life and what this can do by when you start to do that tithe. Then when you do that, you're gonna be like, God, I want to do it. Right. You know, and when you get to that point, that's when you start doing it. Yeah, but if right. you but if you're not doing it, Start meditating. If you if you haven't got your faith filled up yet from this teaching, <laughs> dig back into more. Go online, look at some other teachings on tithing until you get it in you and you're ready to let it rip. Yes, it reminds me of spiritual exercise and just doing it. Uh, like you know to eat right, you know to exercise, but some people just don't take the step to just do it. And because they just don't do it, well, they remain in the in the state that they're in, which, you know, a lot of times can be not healthy or unhappy or whatever the situation is. It's hearing, receiving, and then actually allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you into putting action. Amen. That, cor that corris corresponding action to your faith is actually doing, doing what, what right. you believe. So if you believe something, you're going to do it. You're going to move toward that thing that you're believing for. And you have the opportunity to exercise using your words, using your authority, putting bad things on notice, 
cursing them, telling them to get out of your life, commissioning your angels, going into the courts, applying the blood, speaking the scriptures. There's so many powerful tools. It's like you have a whole tool belt around your waist, you know? Take your tools out and use them. If they yeah. just sit there, they're just going to rust and rot. Start using the tools that the Lord has given. He's given you everything to be able to execute uh, correctly. And whatever you don't know, the Holy Spirit will let you know. Amen. The tithe will allow you to use other tools in your spiritual tool belt. Yeah, you know, it's not good. just about your money. Right. You know, it's about all these other things that it opens that door. So it's that, you know, being diligent in that what helps you be diligent in all more of the things as well, too. It's so good. God is good. Again, God is your source. A tithe just connects your love language to him opening up the floodgates of heaven and pouring out a blessing so big you don't have enough room to contain it. And then in that, blessing you supernaturally, in abundance, until it overflows. Amen. Amen. That's what the abundant life is all about, Amen. right? <laughs> don't forget Jesus came so that you would have life and have it into abundance. And that's what all these teachings that we're trying to do is just get the abundance of Jesus into your life. So until next time, remember Jesus came so that you'd have life and have it in abundance. Remember, we are praying for you and we love you. Amen. Peace. Peace.